Just a quick trigger warning, this conversation does include mention of sexual assault and date rape. If those things are triggering for you, please proceed with caution. Hello and welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name what matters. Okay, hello and welcome. I'm so thankful you're joining me for this episode. I know you will be too. Today on the Let It Matter podcast, we continue our conversation around sex and sexuality that we started last week with Jenna DeWitt. Today begins a two-part series where we'll talk through how to define our own sexual values for ourselves. Many of us that grew up in evangelicalism or Western Christianity had our sexual values entirely defined by purity culture or by just a few verses in the Bible and nothing else. As adults, we have hopefully come to realize that those narrow, neglectful frameworks leave so much out that needs to be considered when defining our sexual values. In today's episode, I'm joined by sex educator Erica Smith, who's going to talk us through the five circles of sexuality and how each one contributes to our sexual ethics and values. Next week, we'll hear from therapist and author of the book Beyond Shame, Matthias Roberts, to add in the faith component and help us reframe how we look to the Bible and our faith in determining our sexual ethics and values. Before we dive in, let me tell you all about Erica's extensive credentials. Erica Smith, her pronouns are she, her, is an award-winning sexuality educator and consultant with over 20 years of experience. She has provided comprehensive sex education and advocacy to young women and LGBTQ youth in Philadelphia's juvenile justice system, worked in abortion care, and supported HIV-positive and transgender adolescents and their families. In 2019, she developed the Purity Culture Dropout Program to help people learn all of the sex education that they missed growing up in purity culture, sex ed that is accurate, queer-inclusive, trauma-informed, compassionate, and comprehensive. Erica lives in Philadelphia with her partner and a house full of rescue animals. Now let's get into it. Okay, Erica Smith, thank you so, so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you again. For those who um, are here after listening to me on the Where Do We Go From Here podcast, you will remember that Erica joined us for an episode in November where we talked a lot about um, about just sex ed in general, post-purity culture, and then we moved into a, a section on female pleasure and masturbation. And um, and in the first sort of section, Erica mentioned to Debbie and I both about the five circles of sexuality. And we both were just kind of taking notes, and I was like, I want to know more about that. So I bought your Defining Your Sexual Values 
uh, is that the name of it? Your sexual values? Yeah. 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 Um, my sexual values workbook. Yeah. My sexual values workbook. That's what it was. Um, so I purchased that and have been working through it, um, sort of slowly. I didn't want to rush through it. I wanted to give myself time. And, mm-hmm. um, and as I got to the five circles again, I was just like, I've, we've got to, we've got to do this. So your episode is sort of part one in a two part series I'm going to be doing with, like I said, um, I think I've told you this, you and Matthias Roberts. Yeah. Um, so it, so we'll be talking about the five circles of sexuality in terms of how they help us maybe post purity culture, post growing up in, in conservative evangelicalism, where faith still is important to us, but where we want to define our sexual ethics for ourselves. What is, mm-hmm. what is within our moral compass and what is within our comfort zone and what's our experience. And so um, if you could maybe just take a second to start us off and introduce to us what what are what's the concept behind what is the five circles of sexuality um, yeah. and then how they're used in defining sexual values sure absolutely so um first i want to give credit where credit is due these circles of sexuality is a model that was created by a professor in the early 80s okay. so the model was designed by dennis daly um dr dennis daly and what it does is it takes the very broad topic of sexuality and categorizes it into five main components. And the reason that this is important is because I think when a lot of people think about sex, they think about sex as the act of intercourse. Mm -hmm. And so they often think that sex ed is mostly about teaching people about the act of sexual intercourse. Um, And Truly, that is one tiny part of the broad topic of sexuality. And, and, and I would add, if, if possible, like when we say thinking mm-hmm. about not just sex, but sexuality, they think, oh, if I know what my orientation is, I know all about my sexuality. Oh, yeah. I know I'm straight, is... then I know my sexuality. And I think mm-hmm. I think what you show us or what you will show us in this conversation is that that sexuality is also a far more broad 100 percent yes yeah yeah so i'll let you continue sorry (laughs) yeah sure like sexuality does refer to our usually like our sexual identity the label we choose for ourselves Mm -hmm. um but the topic of sexuality is is so broad and that is why um i think the five circles model is really useful Mm. in my work as a sex educator especially teaching people who do not have um a background of good sex education. Mm-hmm. It makes it makes the big um, topic much more easily digestible. It's like here are five specific areas. Yeah. Um, so did you did you ask me to break them down for you? I don't remember oh, no, this. <laughs> no, so we're gonna go through them piece by piece. Okay, um, great. And and so I just wanted you to you that was you answered the question perfectly. Just sort mm-hmm. of introduce the topic to us. What were, sure. What are the five circles of sexuality for those who hadn't heard of them? Um, and then so let's start with circle number one. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go through these in the order that they're found in your workbook, which is so that's what the numbers are that I'm referring to. I don't know if great. Um, if that's the same that Dr. D- you say D- Dr. Daly? Dr. Daly. I don't even think they're not, they're not in any particular order. It's okay. just that there are five of them. So, okay. so I'm yep. going to, I'm going to go through them in the order that they appear in the workbook. Um, mm-hmm. So the first one is intimacy. And on each of these, if you could just sort of talk about what belongs within this circle and then how does it sort of relate to defining our sexual ethics for ourselves? Yes. So 
intimacy, um, again, sometimes that word gets used as a synonym for having sex. Like, I was intimate with someone, which is just kind of a colloquial expression and not really a accurate um, description of what intimacy actually is. Intimacy is our ability to express and have a need for closeness with other people. So it's things like caring about someone, sharing things with them, liking someone, loving someone, trusting someone, Mm. being vulnerable with someone, um, sharing secrets or personal information with them, taking emotional risks with them. Um, And that is... You know, it's it's a very important aspect of our our humanness is mm-hmm. to develop close, intimate, caring relationships with other people. And the reason that I think this is an important area to look at if you're defining your values um, after learning them from purity culture is because you are taught to relate to one person in a very specific way like you find a lifelong mm-hmm. mate a mm-hmm. lifelong you know sexual and emotional and romantic you marry and that's it yeah. um and there's not a lot of attention paid to thinking about intimacy in how to like in a how to share it with another person in a healthy way mm-hmm. or if does it only have to be shared with one person? Can you have that kind of emotional vulnerability with many people? Um, I know, you know, you're, you're taught in purity culture that that kind of thing is, it devalues a relationship to have any other kind of like emotional intimacy with another person. Mm -hmm. And so I really invite folks to think about like, do you believe that? Um, Mm. How, how do you trust? How do you trust? How do you know you trust? How do you know you feel safe with someone? Um, those are big questions. And and I would wonder, I mean, I imagine within this circle, as you're defining for yourself, um, is is this is the, a big question for, for me and for many people it, once they began sort of forming their own sexual ethics and dating and adulthood and stuff like that is, um, does ca- where does casual sex or where does dating but not marriage you know and sex within dating but not marriage how does that fit in and with intimacy it makes me you know because we I feel like we are so um, so stunted in the area of intimacy because we're taught it only looks one specific way um we can either use sex to put up a wall Mm -hmm. or we can be vulnerable in sex but I don't think we know how to um I don't think we know how to engage our vulnerability with protectiveness for ourselves and with um, guardrails and wisdom and things like that. And so, yeah, boundaries. With, yeah, with boundaries. Would you say that, that boundaries falls within... is a part of the intimacy? Okay, that's what I was wondering. Is if you would say mm-hmm. that that falls within that circle. So if somebody's working through the circle uh, um, of intimacy, that's going to be something where they begin to sort of evaluate. What does dating look like for me? What does yes. extended singleness in adulthood but dating look mm-hmm. like sexually for me? Okay. Yeah, that's where we that's where like communication with partners comes in. Mm. That's where like all of the skills that have to do with like relational skills, listening to a partner, um 
being able to hear feedback, being able to share our feelings with a partner, all that stuff falls under intimacy. And so if you remember in the workbook, this is where I also ask questions like, um, do you think you need to have a deep emotional connection in order to have a sexual experience? And Mm -hmm. that's going to be, that is a very personal question because, you know, purity culture would dictate that we don't have any sex unless we are deeply emotionally married (laughs) and committed. (laughs) But, um, you know, but, but I encourage people to ask themselves, like, is, is there another way that you are comfortable? Are you interested in casual sex? Mm-hmm. Not everyone is. Not everyone wants it, which is also completely fine. Yeah. And that circle, um, that circle in the workbook really invites you to think about how how that applies to you. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of times that we that Christians can say because you're married, everything else is already in place and there may be oh, a yeah. total lack of intimacy, there may be a total lack of communication skills and trust, trust and safety. Yes. Yeah. Mhm. You know how many married people would say that they don't trust their spouses. They don't feel safe with their spouses. They don't have any emotional intimacy. So, yes, yeah. marriage is marriage as a state does not automatically guarantee those things. And and I think that's important to say because I want people to under listening to this to understand that this conversation is not just for singles. It is not mm-hmm. just for people who are having partnered sex. It is not just for marrieds. It is not it's for everybody. Everybody, yeah. even asexual people have a sexuality and a sexual identity. Yes. Um, as we and saw have, in last week. And episode. we, yeah. yes. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but like no, we fine. all need communication. We all need people in our lives. We are social creatures. We yeah. crave connection. Um, and that circle has to do with, with our ability to create those bonds with people, even yeah. if they're not sexual. Okay. Perfect. So moving on to the next circle in the workbook, sensuality. So what belongs mm-hmm. in this circle? Tell us about it and then how and you know how it relates to defining our sexual ethics. Yeah. This is one. I mean, I'm going to say this about all of them, but like this is a tricky one for people <laughs> that were raised with sort of classic evangelical sexual ethics. Um mm-hmm. sensuality has to do with pleasure and things feeling good and our ability to get turned on and what turns us on. So it's mm-hmm. things like um how we respond when we are aroused. It's about what our bodies do when we're aroused. It's about stimuli that we see or hear that may turn us on. Mm. Um, It also has to do with skin hunger, which is um, a natural experience that humans need touch. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's about fantasy as well. Like what do we think about? What, What is something that we find you know, stimulating. I'm yeah. going to use the phrase turn, turned on again. Yeah. Um, so that's what sensuality is. It's like <laughs> to put it in very, very simple terms is like being horny for other people. Okay. <laughs> that is what it is. <laughs> and, and would you say it engages the, I mean, the tech, the five senses, or is this more like, like mm-hmm. non-sexual touch and non-sexual mm-hmm. sensation? Um, throughout a whatever relationship is and and I know there's people who often say and and I have heard said for women foreplay begins the minute you're done having sex mm. the foreplay for the next time begins the mm-hmm. minute you're done having sex before because it all because our brains are the biggest sexual organs that we have and so mm-hmm. we so what what you're doing when you grab my hand while we're just watching tv even if it has no intent of leading toward a sexual encounter 
or mm-hmm. um or you know eating rich and good food together oh or yes listening to music absolutely um, yeah those things all would you would say fall within this category as well those are all sensual experiences. They, I mean, they have the ability to be deeply sensual experiences for yeah. sure. Like just the touching our partner, hand holding, like, you know, a kiss on the neck, like a, mm-hmm. you know, just like rubbing their back. Like all of that is sensuality. Yeah. Okay. And so how does, how does sensuality that I can see how it's a part of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I, how, how does it fit within our sexual values? What, what yes. would make something within the sensuality circle a part of our values? Yeah, that is, um, to me, when I think of sensuality, I think of the things that people raised in purity culture were kind of taught to not engage with Mm. so I have talked to a lot of people who say things like I was able to I just turned my sexuality all the way off and I think what they're really speaking about is their sensuality Mm. their ability to be in their body and connected to what they truly desire Um, so in my workbook I ask questions that have to do with like is it okay to fantasize is it okay for your partner to fantasize Um, Is it okay to be attracted to other people, even if you are in a monogamous relationship, Um, which Mm -hmm. I mean, just from my, my perspective, like, we can't force our brains to do what we want them to do. And we are capable of seeing people that we might find aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. um, And that's going to happen. So I I want people to really think about that. And and if you're in a partnered relationship, what then happens when you experience that? Is it, Mm -hmm. is it within your values that you can keep that to yourself? That's not a problem. And it's not a secret. It's not something shameful. Or is it something that maybe in your partnership you guys share with each other? Or maybe is Mm -hmm. it, um, if it's part of your values to repent of it, I don't know, but <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is, this is also a, um, the area of, of sexual values where I ask people about masturbation, which mm. can be taught to folks as a big no, no. Yeah. So it's like, do you think masturbation is a healthy, acceptable thing to do? Do you encourage your, would you be okay if your partner was masturbating, even if you're in a monogamous relationship? Mm -hmm. Do you value masturbation and connecting with your own sexuality? Um, And do you, you know, do you think it's okay to purely have sex for pleasure? And, and how do you value that for yourself? Yeah. And, and is your pleasure, I, I would, I would, one of the things that I, I, have heard from a ton of women who grew up in the same way that I did is like that, that our pleasure isn't as important. Uh huh. Yep. And, or we don't even know we're not experiencing the fullness of the pleasure we can experience because we don't know what it means to experience the fullness yeah. of it. And For so to sure. prioritize our own pleasure as a value. Yeah. Um, and not that it, you know, not that it's a hard line in the sand. It's every time it's about my orgasm or something like that, mm-hmm. but to prioritize mm-hmm. our own pleasure with a partner by ourselves, um, yep. it, to explore those things in our body, all of those you would say maybe would be included in the circle of sensuality. Absolutely. And when I, when I work with women in particular who feel like they have a lot of trouble connecting to their sexual pleasure, I first encourage them to note all of the little ways they experience pleasure in their day-to-day lives that aren't related to sex. Mm-hmm. So like, 
the examples I give are like, do you have like a soft pillow that is your special soft pillow? And do you eat the full fat yogurt because it's more delicious? Mm -hmm. And do you light a scented candle just because you love the smell? Like pay attention to all the little ways that Mm. you experience pleasure and start getting more comfortable with that um, so that you can eventually come to understand that you deserve this stuff for no other reason other than for the sake of pleasure. That's right. Hey guys, just breaking in here real quick to tell you that the Let It Matter podcast has launched our Patreon community and I would love to have you join us there. For just $4 a month US, you get exclusive content like additional episodes and uncut interviews, access to monthly matterings, a private monthly Zoom call with me for partners only, and lots more. Available now in Patreon is a full uncut hour-long conversation I recorded with the wonderful Kate Boyd, author of the upcoming book, An Untidy Faith, to talk about our relationship with the Bible, how they started, how they've changed, how we read it now, and more. Here's a sneak peek of that conversation. There's such a discounting of the human element of authorship. Yeah. Is that if God wrote it, there is no mistakes. There is no, there's no point of view. There is no agenda. There is no, it's almost like it's completely removed from its cultural relevance and context and audience and intent. And it's just this sort of blanket one, once and for all statement. And so I want to point that out because Mm -hmm. you're exactly right. Every document, every author, every person has a point of view. It's cut with their childhood. It's cut with their experiences. It's cut with their lenses. Um, they're, you know, If you're an oppressed person writing a story or reading a story, you're reading it differently uh, or writing it differently than if you're the person yeah. in power, for example. So, um, so I just, I think that's really important to mention and, and that I don't think we should discount the human authorship element of this. I think God did this for a reason. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And, and that's, and that's, what's hard too. Like, that's one of those tensions too, is like, what's Holy Spirit? What's human? How yeah. are they working together? And that's like a great mystery. And people have tried to explain it a bunch of different ways. Right. But mm-hmm. I think we won't ever totally know what that looks like. And that's why I think it is so important, right. To see what the authors are trying to do versus like trying to force something on them that it, like, I think Paul would think it's kind of ridiculous that we still read his letter, like his letters uh-huh. all these years later. To hear that full episode, as well as get access to all the other perks exclusive to our partner community, go to letitmatter.com forward slash podcast or patreon.com forward slash letitmatterpod and join us for just $4 a month US. Now back to the show. Okay, so in the third circle we're going to talk about, Power and mm-hmm. sexualization. This one is yes. obviously a big one. Um, could you first define for us sexualization and then tell yes. us you know, what belongs in this circle? Yeah. And this is this is a difficult one. So just a warning that it is the circle that where we talk about um, the experience of sexual violence. Mm-hmm. So sexualization is it refers to like how we and others use sexuality. Um, It doesn't always have to be a negative thing to use sexuality, Mm -hmm. but um, it can be like how we flirt, um, how we 
enchant our partners. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the word seduction comes to mind. But it can also include harmful things like manipulating and controlling others through sexuality. It can involve consent violations. Um, And I have heard from almost every single person I've ever worked with that the word consent was never mentioned in any of the lessons they had from youth group and any no. of the lessons they got from their no, you know, pastors about marriage. It would imply that sex was a, was an option. And for anyone mm-hmm. to have even taught that if you're going to have sex, do it this way, it would imply that they were condoning sexual activity for someone who wasn't married. And by the way, yeah. consent needs to be received in a marriage as well. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> so it is yep. still important, even if that is how you think. It is um, so important. Um, so yeah, it's like that can the the topic of consent means that in this circle we're also mm-hmm. talking about like people being assaulted, sexual violence, yeah. people being sexually harassed, people being coerced, people being, you know, if you don't do this with me sexually, I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, tell the you know, telling you for something. Yeah. Like there's a lot, a lot in this circle. Um and I this- think that Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying, like, I think that the churches in general have so much responsibility to examine this circle because Mm -hmm. of how much sexual abuse occurs in certain religious uh, institutions. I mean, gosh, that's so true. And, 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 um, I was what I was going to say was I think this was this was the one where I had to grapple with violating my own sexual values in the mm-hmm. sense of um maybe there was times that I would engage with uh with men sexually because I was having my own self-loathing about my body at the time and I wanted yeah. validation from men that I was still attractive enough or that I still got it or I still, you know, still was worthy. Um, And that was, as I developed and worked through my own sexual values, that's not something that I want to do is manipulate and coerce and use, even even a completely willing (laughs) partner. Uh But to know that that's the place I'm coming from is... Yes, um, is that this isn't about connection. This isn't even really about pleasure. This is all ad- all about my own validation. Um, Absolutely, is it was it was unhealthy for me, and it was not a place that I could decided I wanted to continue to operate out of. And mm-hmm. so that meant some hard conversations or changes with myself, or just or um, self awareness, having totally. to engage and see a side of myself I didn't really I wasn't really that proud of and then I had to go to therapy and I had to work on the part of myself that was self-loathing and I don't I don't feel Mm -hmm. those things anymore I love my body I love my who I am I love my personality and those things and so um I love hearing that but there was a part of purity culture that also made me feel like because I'm not married yet it may never happen maybe it's because of this is how I look or maybe this is because of whatever and so there was this intense fear that what if I am never worthy of it? What if I will never get and achieve these norms that would make me, you know, that would secure my belonging in this culture. Yep. Um, 
And so that was a big one in addition to, and I want to say that because people who maybe haven't experienced sexual violence or aren't sexual predators or something like that, but they, Mm -hmm. they, so they may think, oh, this was an easy one to sort of skip over. There's actually a lot involved in this one. And part of it is how you use sex, like you said, um, Uh for your own self. And it may not be for the sake of pleasure or with care and concern toward neighbor whatever that may you know toward partner or neighbors um and so i wanted to share that a little bit um is there anything else you wanted to add for that circle before we move to yeah i i was just gonna say um this circle also really relates to purity culture because i want to just focus on the experience of like young women in purity culture but you were always taught that you are tempting so that you were you were basically taught that at any moment you could be using your sexuality to harm yeah. a young man um, in his his own journey of purity. So it yeah. like paints young women as inherently dangerous, but it also paints young men as inherently dangerous because they're taught that they could, you know, just act out of their own values at any point because right. they just can't help it. Um, <laughs> so the circle is incredibly relevant. Um, mm. This is where the topic of victim blaming would come in. And there's so much victim blaming in purity culture. I, um, I, I'm going to give a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode, but I mm-hmm. want to share that after I, I, I was drugged and raped whenever I was 19 years old and by by two guys and and at the time I didn't tell anybody because I had been drinking with them and I thought I victim blamed myself I thought I am responsible at least in part for putting myself in the situation where it could happen and for seven years I suppressed and didn't tell anybody and so it stunted my healing it stunted processing and I was like at that age basically in in terms of my trauma for seven full more years and then I could start to peel back the layers. I'm still working through it, but absolutely. Um, you know, what, what is that 16 years later now? But, yep. um, but it's that you're exactly right. That the victim blaming is not just for other people. It, it's, mm-hmm. it can be internalized towards ourselves yep. as well, where, where then we don't get healing or justice yep. for crimes against yep. our bodies. Um, because we blame ourselves too yeah and blaming ourselves is like that that's like the the police in our heads like other the outside Mm. forces do it to us and then we begin doing it to ourselves which is how this all perpetuates continues to perpetuate oh that's exactly right um moving into the next circle just for the sake of time sexual Mm -hmm. health and reproduction yeah, so this one this seems is... like the most I, the most pr- prominent one or the one everyone would think of. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. but what belongs in this circle and how does it relate to defining our sexual ethics? Yeah, so this is where the, um, the act of sexual intercourse goes in this circle. Mm-hmm. But so do things like our body's sexual anatomy and physiology. Like what are our genitals? What do we call them? What were we taught about them? Do we know how they work? Do we know how they function? Um, have we ever looked also, at them? Have <laughs> we looked at them? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, um, it also covers things like 
pregnancy and STIs, which brings up topics of birth control. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I know people will say, well, condoms indicate that you are premeditating sex. So there's there's a value to explore right there. Like, yeah. are you prepared for safer sex? Is it important to you? Are you prepared to have conversations about it? How yeah. do you feel about people using birth control? How do you feel about yourself using birth control? How do you feel about abortion, Mm -hmm. um, not just for yourself, Mm -hmm. but for other people's access. Um, So there's a lot of values around here. A Um, ton. (laughs) A ton. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, and especially um, now that there are 50 at least different manifestations of abortion law in the United States Mm -hmm. um, and that there are uh, you know, you have to think about this when you're traveling, what state you're going to be in. You have to think Absolutely. about this in, you know, and um, access to birth control. We, you know, we've just seen the Florida courts beat back a requirement for teenage students to have to report their menstruation. Yep. Um, and in Texas now, young people like people under 18 can't even get birth control without parental consent. Great. I mean, Yeah really great in the bible belt that's a great place to do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um ugh. and so you know i get for example i get my birth control from an app nurks uh n-u-r-x yep. and i i do a, an annual sort of exam with a doctor um a virtual exam and then they prescribe and then it just goes through my insurance and so i can and especially as 35 i can kind of forget that access to birth control is not, it's because my insurance is on there that I don't pay for it. Um, and it's because I'm 35 and I've answered all the questions on the, on the thing in a certain way. That means I have easy access to it, but there are people, whatever, whether for smoking or weight or blood clot issues that can't take birth control. There are Mm -hmm. people who are young, too young and can't get it. There are people who, Mm -hmm. um, whose religious beliefs are so ingrained that they wouldn't get it, but yeah, but they might be fine with it if they re-examined them, you know. Yeah, and um, people who just straight up can't afford it and you can't know, afford don't have it. insurance. Yes, yes, can't afford the the appointment to get the prescription and then or the prescription mm-hmm. itself. Um, and so this would also include things like emergency contraceptive, right? Whether yep. you emergency know, contraception and then condoms. It also and... includes menstruation, like yeah. how we feel about menstruation, like. You know, were you taught that using a tampon was going to somehow damage your purity? Were you taught to hide mm. the fact that you were menstruating? Um, you know, do you think yeah. that people who have STIs are dirty? Do you make jokes about them? Mm. Like all of this. That's really good. That's really good. So sexual health, reproduction, it is, it's our values that are for ourselves. But then you like, you also mentioned it's values for everyone else's access as well. Mm-hmm. Our sexual ethics and sexual values aren't always just for ourselves. They're for what people can um, have access to. And I relate this sometimes to like, uh, even before I was LGBTQ affirming. And so this is years back. Um, I was like, of course they should get married if they want to get married. Mm-hmm. Access is fine. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> yeah. But, but access is fine. If it's about taxes and health insurance and, and legal, um, you know, if they want to put it on paper with the state, by all means. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not the most evolved position. But at the same time, I would encourage people to think about it, about this in terms of like, 
you don't have to do it if it's there's there's levels to those ethics right what what's personally acceptable for you as your ethics and what access to the public means yes and like I make that very clear later in the workbook that there Mm -hmm. is a difference between like what you consider that feels good for you. You might think I never want to have sex with someone I'm not in love with. And that is great. (laughs) But to say no one should ever because I don't want to, that's, that's the issue. Or to say we, our faith doesn't believe in birth control. And so Mm -hmm. no one should have access to birth control or our faith doesn't believe in abortion. And so no one should have access to abortion or condoms or Planned Parenthood, which is a sexual health clinic, a woman's health clinic. Um, And, uh, and we see a ton of that in today's, in today's conversation. And so I think this is a really important, uh, an important circle to sort of dive into for your personal ethics and then to, to decide if you can separate them from what you believe your public ethics should be. Um, So moving into the last circle here, circle five, as I've, as I'm naming it here, sexual identity and gender. Yeah. What belongs in this circle? (laughs) (laughs) All of the things. Yeah. And then how does it relate to defining our values? Yeah. So what belongs in this circle is like our experience of our own gender and sexual identity. So that breaks down into you know, everyone is assigned a sex at birth. So for example, I was assigned female. The doctor said it's a girl, mm-hmm. but my gender identity is like, do what does, do I feel like a girl? Do I agree that I'm a girl? Does that match? Um, mm-hmm. Does that make sense for me? So any issues related to gender, um, including like gender roles and the cultural expectations that we have about what a man is and what a woman is and what mm-hmm. we act like and how we dress, um, all of that falls into this circle, as well as our sexual identities. So like, who who are we attracted to? Are we straight? Are we bi? Are we pan? Are we gay? Um, are we asexual? Like, mm-hmm. all of that stuff falls into this. And so I think that this is important because one, this value or this circle would be completely ignored um, by many churches that espouse purity culture. It would just, we don't talk about that because you know, it's not okay to be gay. You know, it's not okay to be trans, you know, men are men and women are women. So Mm -hmm. we, I think it's important to unpack this because it is such a vital part of who we are is our gender and sexuality. Even if you are straight and cisgender, it is still a part of who you are. So yeah, I think it is really important to unpack because even people that are straight and cis might be struggling with the expectations of Mm -hmm. all that a woman is supposed to be, or like all the roles that a woman is supposed to occupy. Mm. Oh, that's really good. Okay, as we wrap up, um, I know that was, I want to just tell people that was a quick and dirty <laughs> um, introduction yes, for to sure. the five circles and to divine, defining our own sexual values. Erica's workbook is phenomenal and it is, I think, what, 85 pages of... It's a lot. It's, yeah, yeah I, um, I like, let me see, I, I have, have it open it's in front on of my me. other table. <laughs> I think it's yeah, 80 it's something. A, it's, it's close to 60, actually. Oh, but oh it's, so maybe I've got my... Yep. Maybe I'm thinking 58 pages. Yeah, it is. It is. It is a lot. <laughs> it is. Um, it is thorough and it is generous. And 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 I we had this experience, Debbie and I did when we had you on. Where do we go from here? That we sort of expected 
a, a really just sort of progressive sexual ethic to not include all the warmth and empathy you have for people who mm. grew up in purity culture or people who still hold some more conservative sexual ethics and values than you do, for example. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. um, and, and I want to just commend you to listeners who may think, oh man, someone who could even be talking about abortion or being transgendered is not going to, is their workbook is not going to be for me. And I want to just say, yes, it is. Yes, oh. it absolutely is. Because you, you, you have receipts that you have worked with mm-hmm. people. This is your primary area of work and study is people who grew up in extremely conservative and purity culture type environments and yeah. therefore may still retain Mm-hmm. some aspects or all aspects or a few that they were that they grew up with and so Absolutely. i just want to i just want to commend you in that way because your warmth and empathy and compassion and um the way you like the patience to educate the way you just say like okay well let's back up and let's mm-hmm. let here's what belongs here and then it you need to decide for you if that's okay Absolutely. with you whether you don't tell us what to think about it but you just tell us what's involved in thinking about it and then invite us to do that. Thank you so much for that, Kelly. I mean, I do, I, I mean, I pride myself on being a good teacher and a good teacher has to meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to create, this workbook isn't to create clones of my values. It's to give people the space to think about their own, um, to give people room to consider their own. And I don't expect everyone to, I don't even share my own values when I write the workbook. (laughs) Like you don't know what my values are. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I just, yeah, I have, I have so much compassion for people who were essentially indoctrinated Mm -hmm. and that's what this is. And I'm not going to indoctrinate in another fashion. Like, yeah, I want people to ask questions and that's, that's what this workbook is for. And so I'm thrilled to announce that you have partnered with the podcast that you are going to be giving away a virtual or a PDF of it. Um, yes. And so we will announce the winner of that a week from the air date of this episode. And so on the cool. 27th, we'll announce the winner. Um, and I promise you guys, you'll want to make sure you enter into that giveaway. Yes, I'm happy to happy to share. Um, it always means a lot to me to hear how the workbook has impacted people. So when you talk about it, and you know, if if anyone else has told me like it, it was really helpful to them, that's mm-hmm. that means so much. So I'm just so happy to be able to share it. Okay. That was my conversation with the wonderful, warm, and wise Erica Smith. So let's do what we always do here and talk about why this matters. I'm hoping from everything you just heard that that's pretty self-explanatory. Intimacy, sensuality and pleasure, power and sexualization, reproductive and sexual health, orientation and gender identity, and all that is encompassed within those things are absolutely vital aspects of our sexual values and sexuality as a whole. For those of us raised, raised in faith environments where there was little to no good sex education, sexual spiritual formation, or even the ability to explore and ask questions, we may have thought our sexual ethics and values began and ended with 1 Corinthians 6 through 7. We may not have even realized there was a need for further development and introspection into the subject. Regardless of where you decide your personal moral compass and ethics will land, 
this model is a great place to start doing the work for ourselves. I mentioned during the interview that Erica has been generous enough to partner with this podcast to give away a copy of her My Sexual Values workbook, which is a phenomenal resource. Make sure you check out this episode's post on Instagram for more details on the giveaway. In addition to that workbook, Erica's website is full of workbooks and resources for everything from parenting without sexual shame, to porn, to discovering you might be LGBTQ+, to what to expect before your first time having partnered sex, and more. Her workbooks are usually $25 each and well worth it, but Erica has been generous enough to offer $5 off to the first 10 people who use the code LETITMATTER at checkout. My thanks again to Erica for joining me today and for making her work more available to listeners of the Let It Matter podcast. You can find her on Twitter at EricaSmithSexEd and Instagram at EricaSmith.Sex.Ed or on her website at PurityCultureDropout.com. I will link to all of these, of course, in the show notes as well. Before we go, if you could please take just a moment to pause this episode before the benediction and hit subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this podcast. And if you're listening in Apple, leaving a rating and a review is so huge, especially for a new podcast like this one. It helps with all the algorithms. I would just also really love to read your feedback on the show. Join me next week as we continue to make space for honor and name what matters. And now, according to our little tradition as we close out, I offer you this benediction adapted from 1 Thessalonians 5, 23-24 in the Message Version. May the God who makes everything holy and whole make you holy and whole and put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you for the coming of our Master Jesus Christ. Amen.